Today on the podcast, I have a new genre of music to introduce our listeners to. Now, many of you may know the style of music that I'm going to speak about. It's sometimes called bluegrass by some people in some ways. Others call it just simply traditional American music. And Thomas Bailey, welcome to the podcast, hey is really into the traditional American music genre. Um, I'm looking over here at his website and just going to read out a few interesting sentences here from his bio. He says, entitled, Have Guitar, Will Travel. I love that. <laughs> Short and to the point. And it says here that Bailey's earned his miles as a tireless traveler, enthusiastic band member, traditionalist and innovator with such bands as Sarah Savoy's Hellraising Hayride, the Freight Hoppers, the Forge Mountain Diggers, the Hog Waller Ramblers. Faster Than Walking, his current and long-running project is band leader for The Remedies, the New York City Barn Dance House Band annually featured at New York City's Bryant Park Square Dance. He's carried his music to audiences across America, Scandinavia, the UK, Europe and Australia. So welcome to the podcast. That's some introduction. Now, you firstly, you play a number of instruments and I'm looking there around you. You've got um, a violin or sometimes called a fiddle in your genre, mm. guitar and a mandolin. So we'll start with your own personal musical story. How did it start? Um, my grandmother, uh, there was, there was music around the house. My, my family were all singers. Uh, my grandfather who I actually didn't get to meet, uh, was a family doctor and his, his territory was the Southeast part of Virginia. Uh, his, his home office was just outside of Richmond, Virginia, but he covered, uh, Dinwiddie, Caroline, King, uh, uh, Prince William, King and Queen County. <laughs> Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he liked to sing. He really liked to sing, and he collected. He, he often would collect songs from some of some of his patients, also. Really, uh, not so, not so much like a folklorist, but like uh, like not so much like uh, A.B. Carter would collect songs, but just you know, <laughs> they're like popular numbers that people would sing, and he's mm -hmm. oh, I like that song too. Yeah. So you way. just memorize them. Yeah, you know, this is the 30s, so they already had popular music on the radio and stuff, so it wasn't like he was out there, like, collecting weird old obscure tunes or anything like that. But he's, he liked singing, so the whole family sang. My grandmother was the organist in her church, and she taught, uh, she taught piano uh, to the kids in the town. And uh, so this would have been, uh, this is Yorktown, Virginia, uh, which is... Uh, what they call a historical triangle uh, in Southeast Virginia, at the, down around the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay, which is Yorktown, the site of the surrender of the British of the, during the American Revolution. You have Williamsburg, which was the first seat of the United States government, or the, you know, the, 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 uh, the colonial convention, and, uh, and Jamestown, which was the site of the, the, the famous Jamestown settlement, <clears throat> were all kind of right in the, around there. So I was exposed to, I was exposed to a lot of uh, historical reenactments of, of uh, arts and culture, politics, music, all that kind. It's of all music. mixed together, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you know, 17th century junk, basically, <laughs> and it was everywhere to be seen because it was, you know. 
because yeah. it was it was everywhere you know and yeah. it was, I when I was a kid I was really fascinated by it my my dad was an archaeologist and taught history in high school mm -hmm. uh, anyway my grandmother uh, wanted me to learn how to play the piano and uh, she had this gorgeous chickering grand piano and would sit me down in front of it and yeah. uh, had a copy of teaching little fingers how to play <laughs> we still use it today believe it or not yeah exactly right <laughs> and uh, it's it's fantastic but I, I wasn't having it because uh, it's I was uh, I found the piano to be that particular instrument just to be way too intimidating I was okay you know, a tenth of its size but yeah. what she did have in her music drawer were a bunch of tin whistles <clears throat> and because I had the tunes in my head that I was hearing, you know, because I because I was hearing the reenactors playing this music from the from uh, 17th and 18th century mm -hmm. everywhere, I had those tunes in my head, and uh, and one day I was just like, I grabbed a whistle and I went out into the woods and I taught myself how to play. Uh, I taught myself how to play a tune um, yeah. in the repertoire they call it in that, that repertoire there they call it. Um, the world turned upside down, but it's a variation of a tune called Dairy Down. Okay. Uh, which I assume is like an Ulster tune. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, and from there, it was that to Johnny Cope, Have You Woken Yet, to Miss McLeod's Real, to... Um, Real traditional tunes, really yeah, standing back. Yeah. Uh, the Boys of Blue Hill, uh, The Money Musk, uh, all the classic like Piper tunes, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I wanted to play the pipes and um, all the older kids that I knew that were in the Fife and Drum Corps, there was a youth Fife and Drum Corps, they're all teenagers. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I did, there were a couple of them that I knew and they were like, you're going to have to learn the repertoire on the flight, on the, on the whistles first. Mm -hmm before you can play the pipes you gotta just get good on this like 24 tunes learn how to play learn how to yeah. play these 24 tunes and then mm -hmm. and then find yourself a chanter and then start working out on your that mm -hmm. blah 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 and i'm like nine years old there yeah. was a couple of tunes uh so anyway that's uh that's how i got into it it was just you know uh martial music interpretations of mm -hmm. popular music of the 16th and 17th century and uh, in the colonies, yeah. but, uh, and then <clears throat> we could fast forward real quick to when I was about 11 and I'm spending two years trying to articulate the third part on the clouds real and you have to half hole part of it and you overblow a little bit to get this one thing on the third part. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't figure it out. No matter how many times people showed me how to do it, it didn't make any sense. To and me. did you have single teachers at this point going to lessons or was it just you were picking up bits from here and there? And how do you do this? No, I was just small? doing it on my own and then like finding somebody like I would go ask one of the big kids, like, how do you do this? You know, it's amazing. Yeah. And what yeah. do you think fascinated you with sticking with the music, as it were? What do you think fascinated with you that you just grabbed onto it and you held it? I'm a nerd. <laughs> A nerd, a historic I didn't have nerd. Any friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, one uh, one of the kids that uh, uh, one of my best friends from uh, all my life. He was my next door neighbor when we were little babies, and then we moved away, just a little further away from each other. But uh, we uh, we continue to be friends to this day. Is um, uh, a fellow named Michael Dirks, right. uh, who is. Um, 
uh, he plays guitar, he does uh, horn arrangements and a little bit of production and stuff like that, but he is Balzac, the Jaws of Death, in a band called Guar. Okay. So if, you're into, if you're really into heavy metal, you'll know about Guar. It's a heavy metal band, they dress up in big rubber monster outfits and they <laughs> spew yeah. fake body fluid all over the place. Oh, they're really deep stuff, into a deep. Really really big theatrical production and Michael's been part of, the, of that but Michael started playing guitar around the same time and mm. he was uh yeah Michael's been like yeah I've known Michael for I've known Michael all of my life and Michael started getting into music also and I was like you know and I always thought Michael was super cool so I was like I want to play music <laughs> so the two of you banded together as it were and, and were yeah, in it together yeah, kind of. We did a couple of things when we were really young, uh, but I was like, I, I, he was really into rock, and I was really into trad. And, and that—that's where you met the difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was like, mean. it was like right, right, it, right from the very beginning. He was really mm -hmm. into rock, and um, I mean, I was into rock when I started. When I finally started playing guitar, and I got into rock, I went to Michael to show me how to like how yeah. to play his guitar solo or. Who's this cool band? What are you listening to right now? We, you know, we traded a bunch of guitar nerd stuff with each other when we were yeah. young, young guys. It's, it's great to have like friends who get the music world and, and you're not isolated on your own trying to manage it. So that's really interesting. So fast forward then. Now I'm looking, as I said earlier in the podcast here, three instruments. Now, if you're listening to this in audio, I'd suggest you go over to YouTube just to have a look here. So you got a mandolin, a guitar, and a violin. Now, how did the violin come into your life? And I'm looking at, well, guitar and mandolin are similar. So how did the violin arrive? Uh, that, that was actually much, much later. Um, I started playing guitar uh, because, like I was saying, I was having trouble uh, with my third part of McLeod's reel <laughs> and, uh, and another one that has this really complicated yeah. three-octave jump in the part and uh, uh, something like what do they call it? I can't remember the name of the tune. In Texas, they call it Tom and Jerry. It's called something okay. else. In, the, in Virginia. In, yeah. in the pipe repertoire. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so I was, at the time, we had moved to Roanoke in the in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. Um, oh, that's the real, isn't that Blue Ridge Mountains? You kind of think of Trad American and Blue Ridge Mountains. The two are like this together inseparable yes exactly yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. we had we had moved there from tidewater uh my dad had started working with the company out there and i was checking out a guitar shop when i was about 12. wow um so i was still really into this like baroque period music and like early okay. romantic stuff and you know like weird old weird <laughs> old obscure music from the you know 16th 17th and 18th yes. century yeah and I told a friend of mine that I wanted to buy a lute. Really? A lute is I, coming next. Yeah. So I was looking for, I'm 12 years old. I want to play the lute. <laughs> and uh, I had gotten a hand, I got my hands on the copies of uh, Julian Bream's, uh, it's a long show. I'll keep it short, but you know, super short. But I had gotten a, gotten a copy of, a, of a Walter Gerwig's recordings on Nonsuch record. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, of lute music and Julian Bream's uh, Julian Bream's lute transcriptions of uh, uh, Segovia's transcription of the Bach violin partitas. Okay. Ba, ba, ba. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, 
And that, that just that stuff was just blowing my mind. I would sit around and listen to that all day long. Like, I need one of these instruments. And so a friend of mine mm-hmm. in school said, go down and check out this guitar shop. The guy's always got, like, cool, old, weird, like, super old, really weird instruments in there. So I went down there one afternoon, and uh, there was a, uh, the guy around the shop. He always kept a little picking uh, corner in the, in the shop. Mm-hmm. He had a string bass that wasn't for sale that everybody could play, and he was really generous if you wanted to come in and just hang out and play. That's wonderful. Hang out and play. Yeah. So, and, he, and he kept a spot with a couple of chairs and the sofa and the wood stove and all, all that. And I came, you know, I came in there for the first time, and there was this old guy sitting there on his lunch break from the bank across the street or whatever, and he was playing Miss McLeod's reel on the guitar. And I was like, Oh, didn't know that was possible. That part that i've been trying to learn for two years on the guitar it's like mister can you show me how to do that yeah yeah but think of the creativity of the music owner or music shop owner like just to provide that to the local community of people coming in and making a space for that that's wonderful yeah uh, yeah uh fret mill music in roanoke virginia yeah is it still Uh, there today yeah, they're still there today. They uh, they they have a new owner, um, Ken Rattenbury, who was the owner when I was a little kid, and he retired. Uh, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was about four years ago he finally retired. Okay. Uh, and and do they still? still there. Yeah, do they mm-hmm. still have that corner in the shop there available for people to go in and out? Uh, not so much, really. Oh, uh, that's a pity. Uh, like in the late seventies and the early eighties, that was really like. That, that was a that was a big thing i mean yeah. they do they do like little house concerts and stuff there um, oh that's nice they still re- they're still really strong supporters of local music there's always been um there's always been kind of a cool rock and roll and punk rock scene and there's lots of local bluegrass musicians and stuff and okay singer songwriters okay. that are that don't live too far away like that sounds what? that sounds fantastic for somebody who's discovering the world of music just to be part of that kind of community but returning back to the lute, so did you, you've got your hands in a lute? <laughs> no, I never did. Okay. No, I And never then did. I'm looking at the violin. Is this the next step? Uh, no, that came much later, but I, uh, I was able to sort out how to play guitar kind of on a rudimentary level. And I had a couple of people like Michael and a couple of the other guys that I was at. Uh, Michael still lived in Williamsburg, but at, uh, living in Roanoke, I had a lot, a lot of my schoolmates, almost every other person mm-hmm. played the guitar a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of bad, and then a couple of them played guitar really, really good. We had a okay. couple really fantastic guitar players in our school, okay. like just, just super good guitar players, and so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I just soaked everything up that I possibly could, I was, you know, uh, and I played... Um, I, the first band I was actually truly in uh, was with a bunch of folks my my parents' age, and we were playing uh, traditional bluegrass standards and old square dance tunes and stuff out of the out of the hymnal from our church. Okay. Uh, and kind of muffing it along with a couple of popular tunes and stuff like that. Yeah, but like you you were really zoned in and picking up as much as you could to learn from those around uh, you. Yeah, I was, uh, mm. I was, I was looking for something to do that was, mm. you know, there was, uh, not, there was not a lot of options where I was growing up. It's not like, okay. I mean, it was a great place to grow up, but it was, you know, and there were all and, kinds of great and things given, to get into, but that was, that was one of the things that was 
there in the community and I was like this is fantastic you know yeah and given that your father was an archaeologist or had you know his expertise in history I presume that was a huge influence then when it came to your interest in traditional American music uh yeah maybe I think <laughs> or did it was uh, it just like this frame of reference that you grew up with about the history of America pioneering and so forth and then when you moved into the music realm that you had this frame of reference around you to understand the whole world of it. Yeah, I think when I was younger, I didn't really, I wasn't putting two and two in, together in, okay. in that particular way. It was just something that really interested me. I mean, I always felt like I had some kind of connection to it, but yeah, uh, yeah. but I, uh, I, I wasn't thinking that deep about it. It was like, yeah, to, of course, that's a kind of a more of a later on kind of thought. 12. Yeah, 12, <laughs> you're just going, oh, music. Here, here, here we go. Here we go. 12. I'm like two years away from drinking my first pint. Oh, yeah, that's that's an interesting <laughs> <Right>? conversation. <laughs> yeah. So what happened next then? So, I mean, it like looking at your bio here, you've played with a number of groups um, that I mentioned earlier on. And how did you move into that? And I'm seeing a lot of mention here of New York City. So how did you get into that whole musical scene and how did the mandolin and the violin come into this whole scene? Uh, well, so when I was younger and I was playing in that, uh, when I was younger and I was playing in that bluegrass gospel group with my church group, uh, basically backing up fiddle player. And then, uh, uh, and I was really deep in, I was, did that until I was, I played with those guys kind of on and off. We played for like summer camps and things like that. Yeah. Church functions and yeah, and things. And uh, so, but I learned, you know, I learned, uh, this, I don't know if they, I don't feel like I learned them. They just, you know, the old, the old guys were like, this is how you play this tune. This is. Yes. Totally and then you just float these, in. Play these chords. And there wasn't any, there wasn't any uh, academic, you know, mm. I would imagine like it all just like play these mm. chords with this kind of rhythm and that's how and you know that's that's, that's how it's Katie, done that's mm. Katie Hill and play these chords with this kind of rhythm to that tune and that's how you play shoulders joy and play these chords like with that kind of rhythm and that's how you sing yeah uh, so it's very much a kind of a passed down genre from one generation to the next rather than academically taught which is of course in Celtic Irish music it's similarly the same yeah. although it's becoming more academic now but however and you know there wasn't even really that much emphasis on like this is our culture and it's really important to preserve it it was just mm. like just it was a natural around, thing it was around this is something that we do participate in it and you know mm. and i was and i was there for it and um, yeah. uh and then i got a little bit older and i started to meet some rough kids and they wanted to play rock and roll and somebody found out that i could play guitar and sing at the same time and then i got into a punk rock band when I was nice. 15 and playing bluegrass kind of in secret, didn't yeah. want my new punk rock friends to find out that I was playing hillbilly music. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and that took me down the next 10 years. Uh, uh, and did you, like, were you a full-time musician during this period of the next 10 years? Or no, was I was it... a, just a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just yeah. a kid. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was yeah. just a kid, but I, you know, I got to get involved in some pretty interesting stuff. Well, I mean, it was a learning procedure as well. I mean, you were experiencing so much. And then, like, I'm just imagining your story as you're telling me. And 
the whole deal of performing in front of groups of people, audiences, churches and so forth. How did you get over that tension of performance? Or did you just naturally take to the stage and you loved the audience and their interaction and the whole scene? How did it work uh, out for you? I, I won't lie that I like the attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's yeah. a performing, you know, not. Yeah. 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 It, you're just yeah, born was, for the stage. Yeah, I was I was I was into the attention. And um, yeah. Yeah. So you like you like being the guy that could play well. On the stage. But it was, yeah, you know, but it was, it was also low impact, you know, because I, yeah. you know, I'm kind of, yeah, I like being a loner, you know. I can, and was, I can was there much competition on the stage between the, the people playing on stage? Like oh, more or less saying, no. oh, he's really good. Listen to him. Oh, no, he's better. <laughs> um, it had been like that in some groups that I've been in, yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's a couple of groups that I've been in where, where there was, where it was like that there was yeah you just develop a thick skin i suppose some people would say uh, yeah i mean you know i tend to be like cripplingly shy sometimes and so like to, yeah you just do your own thing so moving know, playing, on then playing trad music gives you a perfect opportunity to be a shoegazer and yeah. still play brilliant music and nobody thinks twice about it at all well i mean you have some i mean for people to explore this traditional <laughs> american music is you have some videos on YouTube, I think, of uh, you playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah which they, you can find the links on Thomas's website over thomasbaileymusic.com. So if you visit the website and scroll down, you'll see some of the videos and you'll get a sense of what the music is like, what real traditional a, music is like in the American sense. So if we just talk about the genre for a moment, many of us know about, like I'm from Ireland, we know about the history of many Irish going onto American soil and the and the British as well and setting up America's you know foundations as it were and there's this whole history surrounding the pioneer movement we'll call it a movement I don't know if that's a correct term uh, and sure um, and then you look at you know films very often is where people in general they'll see the first mention of the pioneers and they'll understand what it is from your point of view how would you describe traditional American music. I mean, we, you know, there's, America is such a colorful country with cultures, you know, you've got bluegrass, you've got, you know, real um, jazz music discovered in, in the Appalachian mountains in their communities there. You know, you've music that you'll see in the streets of New Orleans. Then you have square foot dancing. Um, there's a whole range of stuff. So like, how do you kind of tie it down? What is traditional American music? At its core, what is it from your uh, point of view? Uh, that's that can be a really thick question to answer. Um, the, you know, it's like American music or traditional American music. There's because there's, uh, I mean, they you know they 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 very much do go hand in hand. You know, there's there's an American tradition of making music, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm then you have the that. traditional American music, which is very, I would imagine, influenced by the Celtic music from our side moving into, you know, places uh, like Virginia, yeah, Boston, and so forth. Also, like many, many other influences aside from the, the you know, the, the zeitgeist is going to tell you that it's like this Anglo-Celtic influence is mm. the dominant. It's the dominant thing, which is true to a degree, but you can't look at the entire picture of of the American musical experience without uh, 
without crediting the Africans. Oh, you yeah. Cannot, mm-hmm. uh, you cannot discredit the Spanish influence. You cannot discredit the Native American influence. You cannot discredit the uh, various German influences, mm-hmm. uh, Bavarian and Austria and Bohemia and uh, certain places. There's a really strong Scandinavian uh, mm-hmm. element. Um, you know, and if you really want to get, you can get super nerdy about like, you, if you're if you're if you're down for the trip, you can get extremely nerdy about very specific culture groups that immigrated in very specific regions in North America, and the impact that they had on the traditional music in that very specific place, who they communed with, uh, and how. Uh, who, who they commune with and, and how uh, how music and traditions in that particular area uh, had uh, developed as a result of, of that mix. Um, so it's a huge melting pot of, of culture cultures coming into American soil, we'll say coming onto American soil and then creating various influences. I mean, I presume it's all being documented, is it? Uh, yes, it's been, uh, there's a humongous amount of stuff that's been documented in the uh, Library of Congress. Um, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt was pretty, uh, was, she was a real force in like, um, collecting document, uh, uh, archivists to add stuff to the collection, but there had been, there had been a lot of stuff that had been already added to the national archive before then. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt was pretty, uh, our, our first lady of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, his wife, Eleanor, yes. uh, was pretty instrumental in making, in, in uh, growing the collection. Um, yeah. yeah and we'll get. say you as a musician, when you're trying to source new records or sorry, new music for maybe a future record or something like this, where would you go to discover some new music maybe that you want to introduce into your repertoire? Uh, or is it more I, just what you come across by natural coincidence? Personally, it's more what I come across by coincidence. I'm more, I've always been more directly, I've always had the strongest influence from the kind of stuff that happens right in front of me. Okay. Um, yeah. With the exception of a good handful of recordings. Um, yeah. Uh, and, the, and those recordings are everything from soup to nuts. They're everything from Lomax archives to Brian Eno to... Um, mm. So you've listened to a lot of music over the years. Bowie and uh, yeah. John Coltrane and Miles Davis, you know. Uh, mm. um, you know, and that, but my, you know, my intro into all that stuff is all, it was because of the people that I was hanging around with. I'd find people who were making interesting music and, mm. you know, like, and like to listen to and when you are is is there something specific in music like if you're putting a record together of pieces of music or whatever of songs and so forth is there something that you look for that really twigs you is there a particular style or is there a particular you know way of doing something in melody lines or something that really twigs you uh yeah um uh yeah there is uh, um uh, there's trying to think of a particular example if it's something that i personally am doing i'll, I'll try to find some sort of arc that joins the whole thing together if there's okay. a particular even if it's super abstract um yeah so like uh, 
so there's a solar recording that I made, uh, a little EP link solar recording I made back in 2005 or something like mm -hmm. that. And there was the, the common thread behind that was, a, it was a total abstract to the music, you know, so the record, I, I, I should get it repressed. I was, I actually kind of liked it. We, we made, yeah. our, we made a thousand copies and got, got, uh, sold them all. And, Fantastic. And where can people find your music? I see here on your website, you have it on SoundCloud. Where can other, I think, are you all over uh, the place? iTunes, Spotify? I'm all over the place. No, I all think, I, no, I, I went to great lengths to make sure my music was not on Spotify or Apple or any of the big streaming services. Oh, there's, okay. So you're, you're remaining very independent. There's this much money to be made in it. So very uh, true for the, for the amount of, it's me personally. I know a lot of independent artists who are do, doing really well. Mm -hmm. You know, they, yeah, they do really fantastic stuff, and they're they've got their music up on streaming platforms, and they're taking advantage of all the, uh, uh, uh of all like the social media platforms and stuff to have a digital audience. And okay, that's, uh, I always felt like I was kind of behind the curve on all of that stuff. So it's um. Uh, I've never been in a huge hurry to really do it. I have an Instagram page. You might find a little music on there every now and then, but it's mostly like me and my cat. <laughs> <laughs> me and my cat. We all have cats. Yeah. It's me, it's, it, it's me and my wife and the cat and some architecture and some old bicycles and some, you know, interesting old musical instruments to look at and stuff like that. Oh, fascinating. Pretty yeah food. it's a right it's a total garden variety instagram stuff page. yeah but sure i mean life influences musicians every part of life in some way or another um but uh so i i, I i've got i'm building up to making another recording and so there is mm -hmm. and and i'm looking to do and it, i've moved here to france and i'm looking to do something completely different than what i've been into for okay. a lot for for ages i mean it's it's a huge change um, we're, uh, we've, we've pit, we're in the middle of picking everything up and moving it over here. We're, we're okay. back in Paris. We're on the house hunt. Uh, we're lining up work, uh, started collaborating with some of my French musicians and, and, uh, like it's starting to make new sounds and things like that. So that's exciting. Uh, so you, all, to, I mean, to me, it's all brand new. It's, uh, there's some, so, yeah. So, um, just speaking about a new record, because before we started recording, you were telling me about a new record that you're working on um, of bringing out in the next few months. So can you speak to that, what that is going to look like? Uh, what's that going to look That's going to be, um, it's a piece that I wrote uh, in, uh, it was in June of 2020. We were, it was early June of 2020. Uh, we, we were stuck here in Paris um during the big confinement we were, were planning yeah. to go home we arrived in january we were planning on going home at the end mm -hmm. of march and couldn't get a flight okay. uh and uh and the situation back in new york was kind of untenable so even if we could get a flight it wasn't necessary it didn't seem necessarily like safe or a good idea to mm -hmm. do it the french government automatically granted us extensions on our visas uh we were in really good hands with really good friends who've uh, sorted us with a place to stay. <clears throat> so we just stayed and, uh, and, uh, but in the middle of the, 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 that we had a really strict confinement period here. Um, okay. uh, you weren't supposed to leave the house. <laughs> so we complied. 
And we yeah. spent a lot, I spent a lot of time. Uh, uh, my wife works by remote and she, uh, it was, uh, it's a, it's a, the folks that she works with didn't miss a beat. It's like nothing ever happened. So, yeah. uh, I was, uh, it was, it was kind of weird. I would spend all my days kind of all alone while my wife was working and I had a whole room to myself. Uh, me and the mandolin and the guitar and the cat would sit around and look at birds and like wonder what was just, you know. yeah. And, yeah. and I, so I, I, uh, I composed a piece, um, I composed a piece that was a, kind of a basis for an improvisation. It's more, it's not so much of a song as it is, uh, a lament, mm-hmm. uh, a slow air, if you will. Okay. And, uh, and then, uh, t- I was approached by, uh, yikes, I can't remember the name. <laughs> um, least of all least of all records which is a which is a legit record label in brooklyn and they do a lo-fi live to vinyl recording and uh, they approached me about doing something with those guys and um they had a whole pitch for me about what they wanted to do which your music sound great to do this project would you be interested in doing this that and the other thing we'll record it all it'll be live to vinyl and i was like that sounds kind of interesting and I got thinking about it a little bit more. It's like, I really, I really like this medium that you're talking about. It's going mono straight onto a wax, onto, you know, vinyl. straight onto, straight onto a vinyl mat, onto mm. a vinyl master. Yeah. And that reminded me of stuff that I used to do that, that inspired me about the kind of things that I used to do in the eighties when I was like 19, 20, like between 19 and 25 years old and playing experimental yeah. music, like combining, uh, 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 oh, modern dance and spoken word and found objects and you know like just just melting it all together, yeah, and melting it all together and it was like oh cool we got this medium, this super lo-fi thing and we can like improvise straight mm-hmm. onto that. So I got back to him and said what what how much does it cost to set all that up? Could I just like come in and cut a bunch of tracks, um, you know? Because the, mm-hmm. their whole pitch was about doing a, a social media pitch. Oh, okay. So I, okay. I would pitch to my audience and go, hey, look, here's a set of requests. You can request mm-hmm. a tune and I'll sing a request for you and like make it your own personal record, which is a great pitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I was like, but, I, you know, I, when I figured out what it what it was that we're recording, I was like, oh, I want I want to do something totally different. Is that going to be is that going to mess with you all at all if I come in and just do that? You know, I just want to make 10 records. Yes. And then I'll do something else with them later. So that's what I did. I took this piece and I did ten individual improvisations straight on the disc, straight onto vinyl with them. And what instrumentation did you use? Like, was a guitar, uh, violin, just, or just guitar? Just guitar. Okay. Uh, just guitar. I have a I have an antique guitar that's ridiculously loud, and uh, and so yeah. I brought that one over, and then I brought this one uh, yeah. that I have a this really terrible pickup that I like to play with it. Okay. Use with it, and I plugged it into one of the electric guitar amplifiers that they had right. over there, and I set up an electric. You know, they gave yeah, me about ten idea. minutes. Yeah, they they gave me about ten minutes to get it all set up. So I mean, there's. <clears throat> I think it's it's been God, that was seven months ago. I think in the middle of one, I actually switched guitars. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Mm. 
Uh, anyway, so I did a I did a couple with the electric guitar sound, and I did a couple with the with the acoustic guitar sound, mm -hmm. and that, and each one is a little bit different. Each one is fairly different from the others, okay. and uh, and I've treated it as I treated it as as if I was doing a live improv, and as like the light changed in the window in the recording booth that I was in was inspiring me to do different things. So each one mm -hmm. like goes this way or that way some yeah. soft some are super aggressive and mm. and uh so there's boy am i really taking this a long time i have a friend here matthew rhodes who's a fantastic visual artist and matthew and i are gonna uh sitting down are gonna get together later in the fall and we're gonna uh we'll use some of matthew's art to do uh the covers similar kind of thing like uh it'll be it'll be essentially the same design but with just slight little variations and we'll do the across the 10 those. records yeah <clears throat> and then we'll uh we'll make them available at a, a little vernissage and and some little uh some little gallery here in town somewhere. so what i lo love about your story is the uniqueness and the single-mindedness of what you enjoy to do but what inspires you the most because you know you've had a mix of influences across your musical story that you've shared and i'm just wondering like in when in your creative flow what inspires you the most cooking seriously cooking yes <laughs> of all the things cooking <laughs> yeah so when you go to a restaurant and you look at amazing plates of food does that inspire you or is it like being in the kitchen putting stuff together and it's only <gasps> all the moment yeah all, all the above yeah really all the above I well you're in a good was... you're you're in a good city yeah. for that, Paris. If there, if there was one, yeah, if there was one thing that really does inspire me the most, it's it's cooking, it's food, it's things about food, it's things about eating, it's thing, you know, being around the table. Uh, and when you're yeah. around the table, like, do you like to have good conversation, stimulating conversation, oh, yeah. and and then suddenly, yeah, got a a piece of inspiration right there in what somebody said. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily influence the music so much. Uh, kind of, it does. I don't know. I mean, in terms of abstracts, like uh, I, I'll often tell people if they're outside, if they're outside of the, if they're from outside of the the culture, and they're mm -hmm. learning about, uh, and they're getting into. Uh, not to like patronize anybody. I'm sure that I've said it this way, and it comes off that way. But if you're like, you know, like. Europeans are getting into American traditional music and, yes. you know, and, I, t and I tell them like, you're not really going to understand our music very well until you've actually been to somewhere like, you know, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee and drank mm -hmm. the water out of the creek and know what the smell of the oak leaves rotting on the forest floor is like, or spend a winter in a cabin somewhere or, yeah. you know, makes total sense. Actually, it, it, to know, me, this, it makes total sense. Taste you know, the taste of the soil and and all of that and, you and know. seeing the autumn colors is one example and all of that yeah exactly or try to survive in july and you know yeah 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 <laughs> where it's, you're reminding where it's me you're, you're, degrees and you know yeah you're reminding me no breeze you're reminding me of a book uh written by a guy he's famous henry thoreau i think it was um in thoreau the world was really into that kind of stuff yeah yes Great example of really integrating into the local environment and understanding it for what it is. Yeah, very interesting. So I was just about to ask this question. 
if if somebody who doesn't know much about American traditional music and all its colors and mixes and blends, where would you suggest that they would go for their first experience of it? And then to dig deep deeper, how do they dig deeper into the genre? Oh, you mean like a festival or a particular artist or? Anything. Where would you suggest? Oh man, these days, these days are, there's so much cool stuff going on right now. There's this really fantastic like renaissance going on that you know. Yeah, I, in in places like Virginia, Carolinas. Uh, I mean, all over the place, really. It's you know, like the, I think the tradition has really left fi finally made a grand leap in the 21st century, and there's you know there's some there's some young and younger folks mm -hmm. than than me that are really uh, that that are really bringing it and keeping it interesting and keeping it real and being some amazing creativity yeah and mm -hmm. being honest about you know american culture and american history and uh and and the music itself too and it's you know uh, yeah i i mean i couldn't not like say any of that without bringing up like rihanna giddens um just just i remember when i first met her i was her and the first incantation of her group, the Carolina Chocolate Drops, was like, these guys are just gonna, just, they're just gonna tip the entire boat over. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know. Amazing skill along, and innovation. Amazing skill and innovation, but they were just so freaking real, you know? Yeah. They were just hanging out and just making a bunch of racket, and it was excellent, and it was so strong and so pure and so real, and just, you know, and under, you know, okay, undeniable. so what, what to lead you into know? this, this, you're saying it, it, it made it so strong and so real. So what makes a group to be strong and real? Is it because they understand the genre to its depth? Or is it because they're so authentic in how they present it rather than being full of ego? Like what, what do you think uh, the ingredients are? That's a, that, that's a really good question. I mean, you can look at that and I mean, you could look at look look at that with like trad musicians, I think, uh, but you could also look at that with like pretty much any group of musicians. Oh, true. As well, too, you know, yeah, like true. Think of like a really fantastic, you know, jazz lineup, like uh, like one of the lot. Uh, it's a um, Art Blakey and his Jazz Messengers at the Village Gate two record set with like Kenny Dorham and you know, it's great lineup. Wayne Shorter got cut his teeth in that band. And those guys, they just play together so well. And it's not necessarily like being really deep in a tradition, but they were like really, they were connected to, they were connected to their culture and their music and everything mm -hmm. also, but they're at an era in, in making jazz where there was something, they were contributing to something important in the, in the, uh, in the cultural zeitgeist at the time that made it also really important and so their connection with each other as individuals and music and they were connected mm -hmm. to each other made it made it really strong so like with a trad group um uh, with a trad group with like uh uh we know lanissa for example mm -hmm. like you know those guys they're just they're really good they're, one they're really very well connected with the with the tradition but they're also really fantastic musicians and they're really connected with each other and how they all understand 
I was just going to lead. I was just going to lead into that because looking at the videos of many I've seen of American trad music, so it's a really it's a genre I'm fascinated by because of you know I suppose I'm in Ireland and the connection to over to America and there's all that going on you know, but the thing that you see is that there's such a communication of melody lines going from one instrument to the other and it comes back again and then you've the double bass maybe at the back, you know adding a sense of foundational sound. And it's just like this marriage and flow of musicians working together in tandem. Like, how is that flow established and what makes a good flow within a band of musicians in that arena? Oh, my personal philosophy, and it really kind of, uh, there's a lot behind, behind why I feel this way. <laughs> but my personal philosophy is I really don't care what chord changes you play or how you handle the melody. It okay. just has to go rhythm in the right in the right place mm -hmm. in the right place okay and there is some undeniable truths about how the how, how how that works and i think they're undeniable from one genre from one culture to the next yes um yeah you know so what uh, you're saying is then you could in, go further and you could say that lots of listening to records trying to you know listen to lots of groups in real time not recorded time in real time and learning from the greats is where you can pick up all that. Yeah, uh, but there's a lot to be said about being able to have a conversation with somebody else and being able to listen and add to the conversation that, and, yeah. and add to that, have something <coughs> substantive to add to that conversation, you know, and, mm -hmm. and understanding what you're talking about. Um, uh, I think from where I'm at right now, parce que je suis déménagé en France, I'm trying to parler de langue ici avec les autres Français. I need to be able to. J'ai besoin d'être compris. Mais c'est plus important que je peux comprendre qu'est-ce que je veux, qu'est-ce que eux me diraient. It's so it's more important for me to be able to understand what people are telling me as well, too. And uh, so, so in other words, beyond, don't be all into yourself. Listen to what's around you. You can learn a lot about so like with with working with with speaking a foreign language, you can get into a book, you can get into La Russe, and you can have a copy of uh, you can have a copy of uh, uh, T. Robert, uh, a million verb and things like that. And um, and ha have a good foundational vocabulary and be able to write really well and, uh, and uh, have good grammar and things like that. But the rubber hits the road when you're actually like spending time with people. Yes, it solving, does. Solving problems, making small talk, just talking shit, giving yeah. directions, you know. And then you realize how good you are. A million and one ways to say, have a nice day. It's nice to see you, you know, things like that. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, oh my God, yeah. this is delicious or what, you know, mm. all that stuff and, and to make it your own. And that's, and that's the thing. We can loop that back to like, uh, what you were talking about, what makes a group really good. Mm -hmm. Um, which kind of counters my whole thing about, you should know how the soil tastes, but <laughs> you don't necessarily have to be like super grounded in the in the actual tradition of a of a of a style of traditional music that you're playing mm -hmm. to be able to play it well, you know. Yeah. 
um so it's like, so what you're saying is it's a conversation you have to just understand how the interactions happen i mean you can see that you know jazz groups are brilliant at it in the sense of from just a newbie looking at their music and you see how just the pianist will interact with the guitarist with the double bass with the drums and cymbals and so forth so it's it's a very interesting fascination to to delve deep into yeah now I, I absolutely i mean I, i've heard people from other uh from other I've, I've heard folks from other groups from other cultures playing music from from a completely different culture group and mm. really making it their own and doing it justice and, and it's you know and, and it's honest mm. um uh, uh, give me a second and i can look up for example uh i would just at a bluegrass festival in the near Geneva, okay, uh, which is abstract enough as it is to go to a bluegrass, it's festival bluegrass in, in Geneva. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, it, it's still in France, but just like thirty minutes south of there. Uh, yes, but still, uh, you know, kind of like sort of like in Colorado or something like that. But they, they, the guy who puts it on does a great show curating the acts. He had a group from Korea, um, and they were called. Oh, I really want to give these guys a plug because I thought they were really amazing. Um, so no, it's it's the same here in Ireland. You know, we we hear Celtic music played by Japanese, and you're going, "Wow, they're good. They're nearly better than the yeah, Irish. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, My big thumbs. R O C H La Roche. Japanese. <clears throat> I mean, we have people from Korea coming into Ireland uh, studying Celtic Irish music styles and learning how to play instruments with absolute precision. Um, and utterly fascinated. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I want to give these guys a. I want to give this band a, a little plug if they could be checked out. Um, they were they had been scheduled to play uh, two years ago. Um, da, 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 da. they've been scheduled to play two years ago and they weren't able to because the festival was, uh, was, uh, was canceled and then they did it last year they did it on a um, uh, they did it on a shoestring budget so they weren't able to get a lot of the international acts that they wanted to have okay. so this, was, this year was the first year they were able to get several of the, of the international acts that they wanted to come play oh fantastic and, uh, it's great to see the events back. It's it's so fantastic to see them back. Oh, uh, what were these guys called? Something. Uh, uh, they're called Country Gong Bang. One word. <laughs> Country Gong Bang. Bang. From Korea. Yes. From, From Korea. Korea. Yeah. And they are playing yeah. traditional American. They, uh, in their set, they did about... I'd say about half of, uh, they did about, I'd say they did about a third okay. traditional straight ahead bluegrass tunes. Okay. And then they did about a third of covers of contemporary new acoustic musicians that they were really into. And then they did about a third of, of Korean music that they had adapted to the instrumentation that they were playing on. So it was five string banjo, mandolin, violin, uh, acoustic guitar and uh, and acoustic bass, mm -hmm. and they all sang 
Amazing. It just shows you, it, it's just amazing. It just shows you that when you apply your concentration to something, what you focus on, you can really achieve to a high skill if you really zone in and maintain that focus. It yeah, really I, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's one thing to have like hot licks. It's another mm -hmm. thing to be a cohesive unit as a band and to yeah. understand that the music that you're making has, uh, you know, it has all these layers. It has a, it has a foundation and a body and it presents itself and it projects a, an identity and it's, you know, it has and something to say. And very true. It has a central message. And coming back to yourself then, I mean, do you practice every day or is it just when you feel you need to play, you play or like, how do you maintain your skill from day to day? I, I am, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm the worst at practicing. <laughs> I'm yeah. terrible at practicing and yeah. um, uh, I've also, I don't know how I did it, but I have a little uh, rotator cuff injury and it's, oh. it's actually, been, it's actually been kind of painful to play. Okay. Um, okay. But I was out on the road for, uh, I've been, I've been home now for two weeks, but I was, I was on the road for two weeks and I was playing every day and I was just, every time I wasn't playing, I had to like just sit down and take it easy. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Cause it, uh, cause it was, a, it was, it was a little painful. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah know, I hope to heal. My my right arm. I went to oh. go see an osteopath today. Okay. And uh, and it made a huge difference. I, uh, I'll have another appointment with him uh, in about. Two Great. Days. Well, all I can say to the listeners is that um, your music is fabulous, and I love traditional American music just as a genre. And I would suggest anybody who listens to this podcast go over to thomasbaileymusic.com and look out for the new record coming out um in the fall hopefully and that'll be entertaining just to see what the artwork is going to be like and what the sound is going to be like yeah i said there's another project that i'm starting uh, that that i started and it was one of the things that i was on the road for mm -hmm. also i've been uh, uh collaborating with it i'll i'll uh, pitch you the link so you can include mm -hmm. it and stuff uh with a band called you turkey um, okay they all live in they all live in the middle of nowhere down in the southwest in france right um, not all okay. not all of them uh, one of them lives near um Agen, and the the bass player lives uh, about 20 minutes outside of bordeaux and right. the, the de facto band leader really does like live in the middle of nowhere on a farm mm. that's belonged to the same family for 400 years oh and, wow yeah and it's a it's a, it's an indie rock band but it's we've been talking about trying to do this collaboration for several years yeah. And so when I was talking about moving here and, and breaking into trying to do something completely different to myself, uh, that, that'll be it. Um, we're still, we're developing material. We'll, uh, we get to get, we played a couple of gigs a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we made up again. Um, we made up again in, uh, in September and then over the winter time, we'll have a little bit more time to, to kind of to actually get it, together but, uh, and do your thing. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it and it's really interesting because these guys don't really uh, the, these guys aren't really familiar with the, my uh, you know where my comfort level is with my music, but they wanted to play it, and okay. so when we got together, it was like, well, how do we connect the dots here without me getting shitty about you guys not knowing anything about my music? Okay, <laughs> basically. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, so, uh, so I had, you know, it's, it's basically like taking what, I, uh, and deconstructing it on the spot. And, uh, 
and just seeing like, what comes out. Yeah. T- taking it apart and putting it back together again. Like, it, and uh, you know, and for me, like understand like how, well, you know, how does this drummer work? What, you know, what does he yeah. listen to? Like how you can come together as a unit and make something this, happen. Where does this downbeat sit? If I say like, try doing this, that or the other thing, how is he going to, you know, how I've never met him before. Like, how are you going to interpret this? And, you know, yeah. people would like, Tebow came up with some really cool ideas based on some like just ridiculous abstract BS that I made up on the fly. And he's, and he came up with some gorgeous stuff and, uh, fantastic. So there's a record potentially coming out maybe from that marriage of sound. Well, we got interest in a couple of festivals already for next year. So I can't see why we wouldn't be making a, a record maybe yeah Yeah. i mean it's august everything's in limbo right now is there is there some place where people can go to to find out yeah that oh for sure and let us know about the developments there but is there some place people can go to to find out where all these festivals happen for those who want to explore the sound in real time as opposed to record uh is there a central place to find the listing of festivals um there used to be a website but that was before (laughs) facebook Oh, right. Okay. So do a search around Facebook. Yeah, I would uh, like have a search around Facebook. There's several, there's several, several, several groups on Facebook that are, um, uh, that are uh, uh, American old time music enthusiast groups. Okay. Um, Okay. uh, One in particular is uh, traditional music today. Uh, They cover a lot of stuff that's not necessarily just American traditional music. They, they cover if it's traditional and it's today and it's relevant to the top to today's topics, then it, it covers. Covered. but they do, they do talk about good festivals that they support. Um, mm. uh, they talk about a lot of bands and, and things that they support as well. Um, okay. So uh, it, it, it seems to me by what you're saying, that things are really coming back after the whole COVID pandemic and people are starting to really, come back to events and you're getting your, as we say, legs under you again to get going and get out there. Yeah. So I mean, I could, uh, I could, I could rattle off a couple of festivals off the top. Yeah, of sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, without links, but if you, this should be easy enough to look up, um, uh, uh, really fantastic one in Wales called fire in the mountain. Fire in the mountain in Wales. Okay. And okay. that's in going to be uh, end of May. Right, end of year. May every year. Okay. Yeah, and if you look them up, they do little satellite things all year long. The 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 the, the family, the gang, the, the crew that puts that festival on are a bunch of really solid human beings. <clears throat> um, there's also also in England, uh, and I think it I believe it was just last weekend is the Perbeck Valley Folk Festival. Okay. Uh, another really fantastic festival and this isn't necessarily just american old-time music this is this is a whole general a whole range of stuff okay okay yeah and these are you know these are these are newer festivals they're not uh they're not huge and psych taste like they're not like these big huge like Tonnerfest in denmark for example it's Mm -hmm. they're more kind of smaller events as it were or or womad or like big Mm -hmm. you know huge world famous like long-standing music festivals mm-hmm. uh, uh in virginia in september there's a festival called the watermelon park festival okay uh and that's gonna be mostly bluegrass 
Right. And okay. New acoustic music. There'll be several old time string bands. There'll be a square dance. Uh, a really pleasant hang is also going to be in September in Virginia. And it's the Rockbridge Mountain Music and Dance Convention. If you're oh, in the States that the sounds Coast. interesting. And that's just a hang. They have two big dances and it's a camp out. There's no like big, huge main. And it's always been, it's always been like that. Yeah. It's mostly just a hang. You pay for your camping and you can go to, uh, you go to the Kaylee on Friday and Saturday night. Fantastic. Or, Sounds such fun. Or, or the square dance, whatever you want to call it. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, there's nothing, another? there's nothing like though being there, you know, in real time listening to music because you know, you can listen to as many records as you like, but being there is such a unique, memorable experience. Yeah. So it and it, that style I mean, of music with that kind of flair of Kayleys and so forth, it's 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 memory making stuff. Yeah, I mean, for like where I personally come from, uh, from from where I personally come from, some of the other uh, some of the small local fiddlers conventions are mm-hmm. scattered around North Carolina and, and Virginia, but the big granddaddy one has been. I think they're coming up on their 82nd anniversary is the Galax Old Fiddlers Convention. Wow, 80. It is super intense, and I'm just going to yeah. warn you. <laughs> but if you really, if you want to get a face full, if you want, if you want to get a face full of like very, a face full of, of real traditional Appalachian string band music, and you go there. Or, it's 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 a place to go. It's it's, yes. one, it's where it's where I come from. It's you know, yeah. it's not for and I, I'm going to just say that it's probably not for everybody. It's yeah, it's, you know, yeah. it's it's pretty intense. I've taken yeah. a couple of people there and they for their first time and uh, and uh, and they had a hard time getting. They had fun, but they had a hard time getting through it. But there, yeah. but there's there's uh, if you know, you'll find you'll find your crew there. There's so many people that go to that one that one in particular there's, mm-hmm. there's a couple of camps that are some super genuinely nice people and you can you can kind of go mm-hmm. and like hang with yeah and, <clears> and, and learn hang with, hang with bill and nancy slides and all of those guys and you know hang mm-hmm. with a hippie camp <clears throat> stay close to them and you know and you're good to go you're good to go and, and you're good to go you'll be among family yeah you'll be yeah. a, you'll be among friends and yeah. you'll be looked after and you'll have I just want to ask one final question here and usually I finish interviews here when I remember sometimes I don't remember to ask these questions but there's one question that I'd love to ask you what is the number one growth tip to develop your musical skill like you've developed it to this level what is the number one growth tip you would advise somebody to consider on their musical journey hmm Uh, a number one growth tip. Wow. Uh, would you say it's lots of listening, lots of going to events? Is it? Uh, yeah, it's lots of, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, lots of, you go into events. I mean, but in your own like personal development, it's, you know, I think it's really important to say, stay true to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, this may sound like super abstract, but I think you want to have your right hand and your left hand capable of working independently from each other. Well, that goes for, yeah, um, that goes for every instrument, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, uh, yeah, but it's also an abstract, like it's it's an abstract uh, also, it's also an abstract, um, don't want to it's, it, your, 
it's a good point don't, because don't try to mm. it's, it's and on, on another hand like you don't want don't try not to spend too much time comparing your insides to your outsides do you know what i mean okay if, uh you want to be able to be comfortable in your own skin as you're doing all this as you're making your journey and learning how to make music and you know and being a, yes you can't you know, pretend to be something you're not and i think everybody that i really admire even like the totally off the wall performers and stuff like that you know they're not necessarily trad musicians but you know pe people who are like really uh gregarious and outgoing and flamboyant personalities and stuff they're inside they're you know there's a part of them that's really comfortable about who they are on the inside mm -hmm. and what's going on, on the outside this is you know this is a you know th this is a show it's really easy to um uh and bring the abstract back together again but it's really easy to look at your inside and, and beat yourself up that i'm not playing as well as that person or i'm not as successful as that person or or yeah. i don't have a nice instrument like this person or you know i really you know to just to beat yourself up like that it's just gonna it's it's uh, gonna pull you down it, it it pulls you down i'm guilty of it myself it's a daily struggle really <laughs> it's, yeah it's a it's a daily struggle i you know um yeah I don't know. I, I yeah. I, I look at some people I know that are super successful, and I, and I I can't help but feeling that you know sometimes myself. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know in personal development terms, you will often hear them saying that you know the worst thing people can do, no matter what genre of life they live, is this comparing, contrasting kind of thing, and how that if if you can manage that and stop that, it will help you be true to yourself, be more authentic, and therefore perform better and communicate and find that link with the audience if you're a performer and get that going and speaking to a grammy award-winning pianist there in the last few months and she was saying the very same thing that there's no place for ego you have to be true to yourself as a performer and communicate that with authenticity of course this word authentic is being banded around a lot but yeah essentially I, I, it just means yeah. being true to yourself and just letting that free true to faith yeah yeah. yeah and uh yeah. you know and what i said about your right hand and your left hand it, it goes back to that as well too i mean if you're learning say if you're learning a new instrument yeah. uh, or, or or if you're developing your technique your right hand is going to be telling your left hand to do stuff all the time yeah. but uh, with, with a string instrument probably with a piano as well too well with the piano like you have this, rhythms you could have this, two different rhythms and so on yeah like go like ahead this, like this thing you know it's like yeah uh there's there's so much nuance and subtlety that, that you get out when you pull the bow and your brain is telling you like, I need to make this sound and I just pull the bow like that. And it's, you know, and I'm able to articulate a whole bunch of sounds with, you know, when I pull the bow to make a particular kind of sound, but there's yes. also a huge amount of nuance, which goes with the fingers. Yeah. How you get your fingers down on the strings and uh, and that is a that's a really easy trap to get into and like and also with you know the guitar, the, guitar, the guitar doesn't play the same way the mandolin does you don't I mean it's got frets and you hold a flat pick but the uh, like the just the technique how you hold the pick and how you mm. how it hits the string on this instrument is totally different than this one so really like what you're yeah. saying is focus in on technique and, and understand that how it all comes together in detail before, you know, it's, it's mastery, really you're mastering. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and there's, and there's all, you know, you can find your favorite players 
and you can find your favorite uh, teachers and stuff that you can get to. Um, so you get to, and you can learn your technique and understand your instrument better and stuff. But to, to, I think the most important takeaway really is to understand how it works for you, which is also like like really works for you, which is also that thing where what we were talking about, like you know, you know being on your feet yeah. uh, as as you're doing it. So if you've like learned great technique from a great master, uh, but their particular technique doesn't really work for your, um, doesn't resonate with you or doesn't, doesn't fit doesn't with you. Yeah. Mm. I mean, if you can get, I mean, you can have all that technique like perfectly square and like from that you've learned from somebody else. But if you haven't been able to connect the dots, like, Oh, this is how, <clears throat> you know, this is how this guy's technique works with me, you know? Yeah. Make um, it your own is what you're saying. Make it your own. Exactly. I get accused of sounding like a like an Irish fiddler all the time because one of my what one of my fiddle heroes is Tony DeMarco in New York. He's the okay. uh, Irish Italian. Uh, uh, Irish Italian. He learned from uh, Patty Canny and um, Annie McGann, and he's got this fantastic Sligo style. But his right arm, uh, you know, t Tony's right arm is one of my favorite right arms in the whole world. And yes. so, uh, you know. It's, yeah. I suppose it's learning how to pick up what suits you and what resonates with you and then learning how to communicate it with reality of who you are as the person expressing the music. You can't express music without knowing yourself in a sense. Yeah, you know, when I was younger, I was like really into, I was super into Pete Townsend, you know, mm. and I picked up all these kind of horrible guitar playing habits because I was trying to play like Pete Townsend when I was a teenager. And, yes. you know, and I'm, and, and I'm always going to have them, no matter how much I try, I develop my technique. Oh, you try to break that. Yeah. 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 Try to break it. It's, you know, I'm eventually going to like do something that sounds like, that, that sounds like something that I'm like, I'm about to me, to my own ear, when I watch myself play or hear myself play, I'm like, oh, that, that's me like trying to do a windmill again. You know? But we're often, we're often our worst <laughs> critics and we have to balance that conversation, haven't we? Yeah. We really have to learn how to balance that. <laughs> So what is the best tool you choose to use every day? Now, a tool could be something to do with, you know, your your mental health or your mental capacity, or it could be to do with your musical skill. Like, what's the best tool that you choose to use every day, if there's such a thing in your life? Uh, I, I, I try to take a couple of minutes every day to do something that resembles meditating. Yeah, calm down the head. <laughs> Yes, just, I can attest to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even if it's even if it's five seconds, you know, uh, just just to stop, just five seconds, you know, a pause, so, just to like remove myself from my own brain and sit back and watch it make the noise that it's making, even for five seconds to remind myself, like the noise in my head is not me; it's just the noise in my the head. The thoughts flowing through. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Very, you know. very wise. Very wise. And that what is the biggest? Like, yeah, go ahead. Quintessential. <laughs> yeah, quintessential. I know. Managing uh, that mind, I can tell you. Um, and in the past couple of years, for sure. You know. Like, oh like, yeah, I mean, you know, the stories that I've heard stories of artists and the difficulties that they've gone through over the past couple of years, mentally speaking. And I mean, you know, when you're of a creative mindset, you love performing, you love dealing with audiences and jamming together in groups and stuff. It's a tough game when you're not in that zone that you're so used to. You know. So what is the biggest musical secret yeah. you've learned so far? Uh, 
Is that too tough of a I question? I still don't play like Eamon O'Leary. No, <laughs> that's not a secret. Um, uh, the biggest musical secret that I've learned so far. Yeah. Uh, it's always a journey. Um, yeah, it's never a destination. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's not the destination. It's 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 the journey. It's the journey, that's, and the people you meet on that journey, and all of that. Yeah. 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 Good answer. Yeah. yeah. Interesting yeah. answer. Now, would you like to play us out? Um, yeah. Be... Bah, sure. Is this thing even the tune? Uh, stick the cape on here. Okay. This. So, for those of you listening, uh, this is mandolin. Octave mandolin. It was made by a gentleman named James Jones in okay. Bedford, Virginia, in right. 1990. Uh, and uh, uh, a lot of people call him Pazuki. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was. Uh, I. I had been. Uh, I, I brought it over because I have a lot of friends over here who play Irish trad music and uh, Breton yeah. music and. And so, and sometimes the guitar really isn't the greatest instrument to bring to a session with those guys. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I drag this, I drag this over with me, so I have someone that the. Uh, so when you see Thomas Bailey, have his mandolin. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, yeah. Hey, how about this? Um. This is a this is a tune. This is a tune. This is a tune from West Virginia. Okay. And I believe that it's actually an, originally an English tune. Okay. And probably from uh, a, a pro, a probably from East Sussex. Okay. Originally. Okay. Um, What's its uh, title? Uh, in West Virginia, they call it the Fair Morning Hornpipe. Okay. Uh, so, so here it is, the Fair Morning Hornpipe. Right. And my, my my pet name for it is Lego Batman.
Excellent. Well done. Well done. That's some skill. That is some skill. Well done. Thanks very much for playing that. Wonderful. Well, it's been great to learn of your story, to have you on the podcast and to learn more about American traditional music and what it entails and what the whole genre looks like. So um, thanks very much for coming on and keep in touch. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm super flattered you found me. And, uh, and I think we should uh, hear more about you, actually. I think you have a lot to, to give the musical world in terms <laughs> of your skill and knowledge and your knowledge, thank especially. You. Yeah, yeah. Right. So pleasure to have you on. I will be super happy to come back. We'd I, love I, to I'll have be you super back. Super happy to come back whenever you like. Yeah, we'd love to have oh, you back. Oh, fantastic. Great.